I wasn't going on a lion's tiger and bear hunt, but I ended up going on a hips, pelvis, and belly hunt. And oh my, did I learn a lot. These were some of the featured themes in this year's Birth Healing Summit. In this episode, I share my 2023 Summit Highlights. Hello, friends. This is Lynn Schulte, and you are listening to the Birth Healing Summit podcast. We are here for meaningful conversations that will transform the way you work with pregnant and postpartum clients. Whether it is a new perspective, tool, or technique, you'll be able to implement it into your practice today. I invite you to sit back, listen with an open mind, and grab the golden nugget today's guest has to offer. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Birth Healing Summit podcast. And today I am going to just give you an overview, a recap of the Birth Healing Summit interviews that I did this year and some of the highlights for myself and what I took away from them this year. Now, there's over 20 interviews. I'm not going to take the time and discuss each and every one of them. That would take forever. So I'm just going to do the highlights for you. And what I notice every time I do these Birth Healing Summits is that there's, there tend to be themes and um, somehow these themes develop without my intention. And as I'm doing the interviews, uh, someone will start talking about something and, and I'll be like, oh, well, we discussed that in this interview and you should really check that out to get a different perspective of it. So all these themes come up in this year's, there were a couple of themes. Um, the big one was the hip. This year, we talked about the hip. We had two interviews directly talking about the hip. Sarah Duvall talked about piriformis pain and ways that we can help our clients with anterior hip pain and understanding that tightness of the piriformis is shoving the hip forward and um, that the piriformis isn't always the culprit. It's more the, um, uh, it's the, um, going along for the ride, or it's kind of being, uh, there's other things going on other than the piriformis. And our first response is always to just kind of stretch out that piriformis. And Sarah really goes into detail of what we should be looking at instead. And then uh, Carrie Hall also talked about the hip and she talked about the core of the hip and the, the superficial muscles and the deeper stabilizing muscles of the hip. Uh, what I really appreciated about Carrie's talk was the understanding that it's not just the femoral head that is the hip joint, it's the acetabulum as well. And so impacting and changing the orientation of the ilium, which Sarah Duvall talked about in her interview, is super important when we're addressing issues of the hip. So Carrie and I had a great conversation um, sharing her expertise. She studied and worked with uh, uh, Shirley Sarman and has um, developed her own work adding on to what she learned with Shirley. And um, it was just fabulous to be able to talk to Carrie and I both went to St. Louis University together at different times. Um, but that was a fun connection that we had there. And then um, without knowing it, Jerry Hesh, him and I were going to talk about pelvic patterns. And in the middle of his interview, he goes, I want to talk about the hip. <laughs> so we talked about the hip and, and he had two really simple, easy assessments that he does on all of his clients when we're dealing with the, you know, the, the pelvis is the lumbopelvic hip complex in his mind, which totally agree. Uh, we can't treat just an isolated body part. We need to be looking at the entire body in my mind. 
And um, in Jerry Hesh's podcast interview, he talks about his whole body approach and how he addresses the body in that way. And then in the his summit interview, he did go into more detail of how he likes in prone to mobilize and do PA springing to the greater trochanter on either side to see if that hip has that mobility. And really, he's checking out those deep rotators and seeing if they have that give to be able to lengthen, to allow that PA motion to happen. And what I super appreciate about Jerry Hush's work, it's so simplistic and it's just brilliant. And that we mobilize one side and we see if it moves and it should move like the other side, unless they're both in dysfunction. And you can feel the dysfunction in the movement or lack thereof. And um, I took Jerry's courses back in the mid nineties and it really was transformational in the way I approach the body today. And I just really appreciate his body of work and his understanding of the joint mechanics and um, the micro movements that he's assessing for and how we need to be addressing those micro movements. Um, and that dysfunction is happening because of the loss of those micro movements. So the hip was really well covered by those three interviews. And then another uh, theme was on pain during childbirth. We had two interviews this year, Carolyn Van Dyken and Ibi Afalabi. Sorry if I mispronounced that last name, Ibi, but um, they talked about pain neuroscience education applied to childbirth. And then Ann Duke and I talked about the polyvagal theory and its approach to childbirth as well. And um what I appreciate about Ivy and Carolyn's talk is that there are three things that we need to be addressing with our clients um, that are um, key indicators of whether or not pain neuroscience education would be beneficial for them. And ACEs is one of them. So adverse childhood events a person who has a high ACEs score, meaning that they've had more trauma in their early childhood, is someone who might catastrophize their pain. And um, I think others that have, I think the other two, maybe catastrophization is the second one. And then um, anxiety, I believe, um, are the three things that if your clients have those issues and they're pregnant, you may want to consider giving them an education on pain neuroscience to help them in their childbirth process so that they, they um, the pain that they start to feel, they can understand the concept of the pain so that they don't catastrophize it and, and escalate it. So um, that was really important. And then Ann Duke and I talked about the polyvagal theory and the dorsal vagal response and the ventral vagal response. The ventral vagal response is more that um, feeling supported and protected response. The dorsal vagal is that fight or flight. And we really need to help our clients to create an environment where their ventral vagal uh, um, response in the body is, is more um, appropriate, uh, more available to them during that, that process. Um, and so Ann and I had a great conversation talking about the nervous system and how we can help connect, how to create connection and, and um, create safety and security for our clients is really, really key. I think one of my favorite interviews of the summit was Dee Hartman. Dee and I are soul sisters. Um, and she was talking about how to do intravaginal work without creating pain. Dee has an amazing video on YouTube. There's five different exercises that we can be doing to 
um, minimize pain prior to doing intravaginal work. DNI are big proponents of never, ever, ever creating pain during uh, intravaginal work. And uh, we talk about the use of lidocaine and why it's not in our best interest to be having our clients um, using lidocaine prior to us doing intravaginal work because we shouldn't be creating pain in the first place. And Dee gives you some keys. She talks about those five different exercises and you can watch the video on YouTube. Um, and it's, it's great, great, great information. Um, and the other thing I loved about Dee, we have such similar philosophies in that the pelvic floor muscles are the followers. They tighten up because of something else. So for us to go in and just try to hammer those pelvic floor muscles to get them to relax, it's counterproductive. And I teach in my courses that we need to be listening to the body, listening to the tissues. In fact, I teach an intravaginal protocol that helps you to address it. You don't even really need to address the muscles much if you do the the order of treatment in the way that I teach it, because by the time you get to the muscles, they're already much more relaxed because you've addressed the bladder and the cervix and and other stuff first. Um, the muscles just automatically let go, and you know, um, D and I are just we're both on the same page, and I just absolutely adore her. And so um, we had a lot of fun in that interview. So I hope you've gotten a chance to check that out. Um, I think the other uh the other key theme of the um of this of this summit is the creating the coherence the creating coherence and and creating that sense of therapeutic alliance with our clients and um it, that came up multiple times in several different sessions and it's so important for us as the practitioner to be in a grounded calm state so that our clients can resonate off of us. And it's so important for us to do our own work so that we can get into that state. Because if we're buzzing and we're not grounded, our effectiveness is gonna be diminished with our clients. And so really, really do your work. I really loved my interview with Dr. Tracy Vogel. She is an anesthesiologist in the Northeast and she has created uh, her own clinic out there treating traumatized pregnant and postpartum clients. And I absolutely adore the work that she is doing out there. And in her interview, we talked about the red flags of behavior that clients bring into us that we need to be aware of to know, hey, maybe this client isn't just acting weird. Maybe they're traumatized. And I love, love, love that she is bringing this trauma-aware uh, informed care to her hospital and to the the clients that she's working with. And we need about a million more of those around the world. So I really hope that Dr. Vogel is able to um, replicate the work that she's doing in cities all over the world so that moms can get the support that they need and be able to have the, the birth that they intend for. And um. There, uh, she does share in her interview a really key essential step that we can um, have our clients do to help them if they're having a hospital birth, and that is write a letter, right? Have them write their personal story in a letter and get that into their chart so that the birth team hopefully 
will realize and and be able to treat them with that story in mind. Um, unfortunately, in the hospital setting, nurses and doctors just treat you as a client. They don't sometimes see you as a human being. And having that story in the chart might help them um, approach your client in, in a different way. So I think that was an awesome, awesome um, recommendation. Uh, and then there was Rachel Shapiro. Rachel Shapiro is uh, another soul sister of mine. Um, she is a midwife over in Israel. And I loved our interview last year on the uterosacral ligament. And this year we talked about the round ligament. And oh my goodness, I have a whole new appreciation and respect for the round ligament. I learned things from her that I never learned in any other courses or in my own study. Um, she really um, the newer research and Rachel is actually in the surgical um, suites looking at tissue during a surgery. So she's getting to see the anatomy in situ, in, in, in a, a live human being and being able to take that information along with the research that they're finding that shows that the round ligaments don't just go from the uterus down to the round ligaments, they actually channel through the inguinal canal. And I feel after talking to her that it's super important for us to treat where that round ligament goes through that inguinal canal and not just treat the origin and insertion points or the attachment points of the round ligament. That's what I've been taught. But since talking to her, I've now added working with the attachment at the labia majora and the inguinal ligament and then the inguinal ligament area to where it might be attaching on the uterus. And you can kind of feel if you tension the tissue, you can feel where there's that connection in there. And it really, I think, is, is more beneficial to my clients in getting that round ligament to release in there. Um, she also talked about the round ligament being important for infertility treatments, that before someone goes and has infertility treatment, that they should get their round ligaments addressed and treated um, because that's a big factor in, in helping someone to get um, pregnant. And then she also talked about the importance of endometriosis and that the round ligaments are most always implicated having endometrial uh, cells on them. And we need to, again, be treating those round ligaments. So the importance of the round ligament is just so huge. And she shares with us new drawings, new diagrams that she is putting out in, um, and you can actually purchase them. And um, I, they're just, they're brilliant. So I please, please check out her interview and a new, um, a new person to my awareness. Um, Suzanne Skurlock is a craniosacral therapist. She is teaching for the Upledgers. She has actually has her own company healing from the core and oh, what a lovely soul she is. We really, really resonated together. And she talked about the six wisdom areas of the body and that um, uh, there's two kinds of wisdom that we can find in the heart and that the bones of the body, that having someone really connect in and be connected to their bones in their body can be really, really beneficial for being more grounded and, and helping um helping us to stay more embodied and um, 
And she talked about why walking is so helpful for it, making a decision. If you need to make a decision, you go out for a walk. And I have to say, it was so cool to understand why I do what I do. I, I've i had many epiphanies on walks and or out on my runs. And moving our body is so helpful in helping us to process and, and come up with ideas. So I was, I was kind of like, oh, that's why that happens. Um, and she really gave some beautiful insights into what we can do if we are always second guessing ourselves and um why uh we should never uh why the brain should never work on its own it actually needs to be integrated into a full body sense um way so that we're not just this walking head and that we're actually feeling what we're feeling in the body and whether it resonates with our body when we're making decisions instead of just with our head and i think as i was i'm saying that I'm also realizing the importance of embodiment. Embodiment was another theme this year. Um, and talking about the pain science and the polyvagal theory and um, a couple other interviews, we really talked about the importance of embodiment and how birth can cause someone to be disembodied and helping them to come back to their body and come back home is so, so important to their healing. Um, let me see who else. Um, Kathy Wallace and I talked about pressure management. That was a great talk. Um, oh, I had my best friend on the summit, Heather Hannum joined us this year. And it was so fun doing Heather's interview. I interviewed her on a Thursday morning and we got to talk about the sacroiliac joint and she shared her treatment protocol of how she treats the SI joint and muscle energy techniques and um, PERT and um, neuromuscular re-ed kind of stuff. And um, it was so fascinating. And then I jumped on a plane in the afternoon and flew to Portland and stayed with her for the weekend because I was teaching in Portland that weekend. And she went, um, she used me as a model and we filmed her doing her treatment protocol on me. And I have to say it was fabulous. I was locked up in my right SI and didn't really know it that much. And um, she treated it. And oh my gosh, it has felt so different ever since. And I'm a big fan of the treatment protocol. So um, I think that it's just another tool, another way of approaching the sacroiliac joint. And um, it uses more muscles where my approach uses more of the bones. Jerry Hesh's uses more of the bones. And so I think, you know, the pelvis is another big theme this year, uh, but Heather did a beautiful, beautiful job. She's got over 40 years of experience being a pelvic health PT, and she's just got so much wisdom to share. She's been, been a really good friend. And the reason that we are so connected is we're, we're both big, big fans of doing our own personal work. And I love talking to Heather and hearing what she's learning about herself and how she continues to grow, even as she turned 70 this year. So happy birthday to Heather in September, number 70. That's, she's an amazing, amazing person. Um, we also then got to talk about bellies this year. So Diane Lee came back on board while well, she was here with us last year, but um, she shared with us her research that she did on diastasis rectus and using the IRD, so the interrecti distance as our measuring tool. And maybe we shouldn't be doing that anymore. Maybe we should be looking at distortion instead. And she talks about how they um, measure distortion. And um, she shares what she did with her clients in this research study and what they found. And it was very, very fascinating. And I think 
Um, the biggest thing, biggest takeaway I take from her talk is that, yes, we shouldn't be looking at the, the width. Um, we need to be looking at the depth more and we need to be training these people hard. And at, when I was at CSM, I also took Anthony Lowe's diocese done differently one day course. And again, that same message of we need to be loading these people, loading their bellies, loading their abdominal wall. And as long as it's a soft dome and not a hard dome, um, we need to be maximizing their strengths and seeing what we can do for them. I think, um, I was a little disappointed. We also talked to um, Manura and Lisa Ryan. Manura Hudani and Lisa Ryan were also on board with us, and they uh, talked about myth-busting their tummy tucks. And I think in talking to all, having all three of those experiences this year, it's made me appreciate that, yes, we need to be loading these tissues way, way, way much more. However, I think I'm a little disappointed in knowing that if we do have a super wide separation. Um, we can train them and we can get them strong. However, I don't feel, it seems to me that even with that training and even with knowing that they're functional and they get them strong, I think that the majority of people are choosing to then go have surgery to really get them closed back up again, to get them to feel a little bit more held together in that midline. And, um, and so I think I was just a little disappointed thinking that, you know, when we do get stretched out that much, that yes, we can get them stronger. Yes, we can get them functional. But I think in the long term, they typically go tend to go get the, the surgery. And one of the big key takeaways for me with the tummy tuck rehab with Lisa Manura's conversation is that we really need to be careful as practitioners in our verbiage and what we say to our clients. We need to not judge their, their belly, their situation at all. We need to give them the facts of the situation. We need to help them get as strong as we can. And then it's up to them whether or not they choose to go have surgery or not. Because in understanding what Lisa and Manura are experiencing is like some people have a very minimal separation, but they don't like how it looks and they go get the surgery and others, you know, have the wider separation like Lisa experienced herself. And she still went and had the surgery um, herself, but she got herself super strong prior to doing that. So we just never know the state or the, the mindset of the client that we're working with. I don't feel we should ever say, oh, I can help you. You're not going to need surgery. Um, even on our smaller ones, because even the smaller separations, they may still want to have surgery. So please watch your verbiage, watch what you say to any client dealing with diastasis, and let's just help them understand what's going on in their body. And let's try to get them as strong as possible and then see where they're at. But I really appreciated Lisa and Manura's, uh, talk this year because they really did talk a lot about they did some myth busting and and some of the things that you know is a flat stomach a flat stomach really a reality after surgery and you know what are those harsh realities after surgery lisa shared a lot of her experience and and their work with clients as well what they what they're seeing and um, you know, I think a lot of people go, well, that's the easy fix. Well, we need to help them understand that it's not an easy fix. It may be a quick one, but it's not even quick in that the rehab takes a long time to rehab from something like that as well. 
Um, so we need to help our clients become really educated on if they choose to go that route and have a tummy tuck, they need to understand the ins and outs of what that's really going to entail. Because as I know, in my history, surgeons oversell their surgeries and they under deliver the results, or at least in the time frame that they uh, let their clients know. They're like, oh, you'll be better in six weeks. Well, we know that that's not the case in a tummy tuck, that it's going to take months and maybe even a year or more to, to get back to where they, they really want to be. And so we need to help our clients understand that um, it's not always as quick as surgeons promise, and it can be a little bit more intense than they promise sometimes too. So we need to be aware of that. Um, so I think that is kind of the highlight. So, and I got to talk about it, in my interview, which I really loved. Um, and there was one point I didn't make in my interview. So I talked about going beyond the physical. And in my interview, I was talking about how sometimes the body has its own state of consciousness, like separate from the mind. And what I find in my practitioner or in my clients a lot is that it's like the uterus doesn't realize the labor is over. The uterus doesn't realize that the birth is over and that the mind knows because the mind's dealing with this baby and taking care of a baby, but the uterus itself can still be stuck in that birth. And that's what I mean. It's beyond the physical, like physically the baby's out. But the uterus sometimes doesn't know that the baby is out. And so tuning into the, that tissue and tuning into that pelvis, and is it still stuck in that open birthing pattern? Um, and sometimes it is, and the body hasn't moved forward. And once we can just make that uterus or make those pelvic bones be aware that the labor is over, then they can relax and just be put. So. In my interview, I talk about the body having its own set, own, own understanding of consciousness. And that's what I mean by that is like our mind has a level of consciousness, but our body and our tissues, it's almost like they have their own separate level of consciousness and they get stuck and our mind goes on, but the body and the tissues are still stuck in that moment in time. So, um, you can listen into more of that interview if you haven't already. So I think um, I think I tapped in. Um, there's a couple that I didn't tap into. Oh, uh, Kelly Dean. We did talk about the. Oh, I love Kelly Dean's protective nervous system. She talks about the belly and how the belly, the tissues of the 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 tissues in the belly can hold that trauma, just like I was talking about too. So Kelly and I are so on similar pages with that. And Dr. Nicole knows, uh, Cozine and I had a great conversation about business and how to overcome objections and avoid business pitfalls. So that was amazing. If you are a business owner, please don't miss that interview. Um, she has excellent ways to overcome your client's objections to get them to commit to coming in regularly for therapy. And then Elle Russell and I had a wonderful conversation. Elle is an occupational therapist and she does um, these sewing groups to help support moms. And the, the concept behind it is just so fascinating and so lovely. And she's really serving the women in her community and um, supporting them in their postpartum phase. And her creative, um, the, the, their projects that they do each week 
have significant meaning to them and listen into that interview to understand the importance of the projects that they're sewing and the and how she can weave in those educational pieces that are so critical for new moms. So I hope you found this helpful. Um, these are just some of the highlights and what I've learned from this year's Birth Healing Summit. And I hope, I would love to hear from you to know what your highlights were. What were your takeaways from this Birth Healing Summit? Please comment below or comment or send me an email, um, comment on social media. I would love to hear from you on your takeaways from this year's Birth Healing Summit. All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening in. And here is to smoother births and faster recoveries. See you all in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Institute for Birth Healing. To discover more, visit instituteforbirthhealing.com. To claim $50 off of any online course, use coupon code PODCAST50 at checkout. Till next time, I'm Lynn Schulte, founder of the Institute for Birth Healing.